We read the Holy Scriptures together this morning in the book of Malachi, chapter 4. Malachi chapter 4, For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings. And ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. And ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Remember ye the law of Moses my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, and he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. The text we consider together is verse 2, but unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, Malachi was not only the last book of the Old Testament, but he was also the last prophet of the old dispensation before the Lord sent his messenger to prepare the way before him, the messenger who is given under the type of Elijah in the passage that we read when Malachi prophesies, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to their fathers. Malachi was there prophesying the coming of John the Baptist, the messenger of the Messiah who would prepare the way before his coming. But Malachi was the last prophet before John the Baptist. He stood at the end of the old dispensation, Malachi lived in the days after the return of the Jews from captivity in Babylon. You recall that the Jews had been in Babylon for about 70 years, and they had returned to the promised land under the leadership of Zerubbabel and Joshua, and they had rebuilt the temple of the Lord. Malachi lived several decades after the completion of the building of the temple in Jerusalem. He lived in the days of Ezra and Nehemiah, whose tasks it was to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem and to teach the people the ways of the Lord. Malachi lived in times when the Jews were again falling back into sinful ways. One might think that after God had so severely chastised them, in captivity, that there would be a a period of, of long peace and spiritual vitality. But after God chastened them in captivity, it wasn't long before they fell back into sinful ways. And there were great corruptions, moral and spiritual pollutions that had become prevalent in Israel in the days of Malachi, especially the priesthood had become corrupt. So God raised up Malachi in those days at the end of the Old Testament to rebuke the people of God for their sins and to call them to repentance. But before Malachi expressed the rebuke of the Lord, 
he first reminded them of God's love. In Malachi chapter 1, verse 2, we read, I have loved you, saith the Lord. Yet ye say, Wherein hast thou loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother, saith the Lord? Yet I loved Jacob, and I hated Esau, and laid his mountains and his heritage waste. At the very beginning of this book, he reminds his people, I loved you, and I still love you. Don't you remember? I loved Jacob, but I hated Esau. And this is the preface to the whole book. I love you. And then the prophet proceeds to express the rebuke and the warnings of the Lord in the context of his love. He rebukes them for their corruption of worship, their corruption of marriage, and their sinfulness in regard to tithes and offerings. He also reminds and warns them that the Lord will soon raise up his messenger. Chapter 3, verse 1. Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom ye seek shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant whom ye delight in. Behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. But who may abide the day of his coming, and who shall stand when he appeareth? For he is like a refiner's fire, and like fuller's soap. And he shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver, and he shall purify the sons of Levi, and purge them as gold and silver, that they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. He goes on in chapter 4 to warn them in verse 1, Behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud Yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble, and the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. A day is coming, Malachi said, when all of you who are proud and wicked and impenitent will be burned and destroyed by the messenger of the covenant who is coming. But then he speaks the prophecy of our text. Glorious words of hope for those who feared the Lord in those days and today. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings. And ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. And ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be as ashes under the soles of your feet, In the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. I call your attention to that blessed prophecy under the theme, the rising of the Son of Righteousness. Let's notice, first of all, the sunrise of Christ's coming. In the second place, the healing in his wings. And finally, the joy of the God-fearing. The prophecy that Malachi gave was that the Son of Righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings. And that was certainly a glorious and beautiful prophecy of hope for those who feared the name of the Lord in those dark days at the end of the old dispensation. The Son of Righteousness shall arise, Malachi says. The Son shall arise. The Son is a creature of God with which we are all very familiar because the sun rises every morning in the east, even on mornings like today where the sky is filled with clouds and gloominess and rain and you can't see the sun and the morning seems to continue dark longer than usual, yet you know that behind those clouds The sun is rising in the east. And even when you may not see that sun all day long, you know that the sun rises up higher and higher into the sky until midday. And gradually, it courses through the sky into the west. And finally, at night, it sets in the western horizon. And every day, the sun goes through this cycle, rising in the east, setting in the west, so that it brings the morning and then when it disappears, 
it sends the night. The sun is a creature that God made in the beginning. We know that in the very beginning of time, God created the heavens and the earth, and there was darkness over the face of the deep. In the beginning, the whole creation was completely and utterly dark. There was not so much as a spark of light to be seen anywhere throughout the whole of the universe. And then God said, let there be light. And the light began to shine in that darkness for the first time. And then we read in Genesis 1 that God created the sun. He collected that light that he made on day one into the sun. And he created the sun as the greatest of the lights, the luminaries in the sky above the earth. Genesis 1 says in verse 14, And God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. And God set them in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good and the evening and the morning were the fourth day. God created the sun to be the great luminary in the sky above the earth and to rule over the day and the night, to send the day and then to send the night to rise in the morning and to set at night. And God created that sun, this largest star in the sky above us, this closest star to the earth, to shine light upon the earth, to warm the earth, to dispel the darkness of the night, and to do that day after day after day so that we would all know the experience of the rising of the sun and the setting of the sun. God created the sun also to be a sign, to be a picture of a spiritual reality. He created the sun, according to Malachi, to be a sign that points us to Christ. The sun of righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings, was the prophecy of our text. The Son of Righteousness will rise to bring the morning into this world of darkness. The world was plunged into the long night of the darkness of sin and death in the beginning. God created Adam and Eve perfect, and in His own image and likeness, they stood in the light of His countenance, and they basked in the glorious warmth of the countenance of God in the Garden of Eden. But they turned their backs on him and they gave in to the temptations of Satan. They followed in the path of darkness and they plunged the whole human race into darkness. When Adam fell into sin, the world went dark spiritually and morally so that all humans who are born of Adam and Eve are born into this world as children of darkness Children who sit in the darkness, who walk in the darkness, who love the darkness, who want nothing to do with the light of God's countenance. And by their sins and iniquities, human beings make ourselves worthy of the eternal darkness of God's wrath. We make ourselves worthy of the darkness of damnation in hell. Because hell is characterized in Scripture as the outer darkness the place where there will be wailing and gnashing of teeth for all eternity, where the sinner is banished from the light of God's presence and cast into the forsakenness of darkness to be there all alone, suffering under God's wrathful hand. All mankind is worthy of that outer darkness. And in the days of Malachi, the darkness was great indeed. 
Although God had shined glimmers of light throughout the history of the world when he gave promises of the coming Savior, yet the people of God had to wait for that Savior to come. They had to wait for the light to shine. So that Isaiah says in chapter 9 that the people walked in darkness. They sat in the darkness, waiting, longing, praying for the coming, the shining of the Son of Righteousness. And in Malachi's day, the children of God, the children of Israel, had made themselves very corrupt, and the darkness had become deeper and thicker over the land of Israel. Malachi points out that there was the darkness of the corruption of worship. The people of God were bringing as their sacrifices the worst of all of their cattle. They brought their sheep and their goats that were blind, the ones that were lame, the ones that were sick. They didn't give their best to the Lord, they gave the worst. They were desecrating the holy bond of marriage. Malachi points out that they were going out into the heathen and they were taking the daughters of a strange God to be their wives rather than marrying in the Lord, rather than finding a spouse within Israel, uh, a woman or a man who worships the same God. They were going out to the heathen and marrying the ungodly. And then he goes on to point out that they dealt treacherously with their wives. The priests even were dealing treacherously with their wives. They were dealing with them wickedly. They were dealing with them sinfully. They were even divorcing them. Malachi goes on to point out how they robbed the Lord in tithes and offerings. They weren't bringing their tithes to the temple. They weren't bringing their offerings to support the ministry of God in the tabernacle, in the temple. And he goes on to say in chapter 3 that some were even saying it's vain to serve the Lord. It's vain. Why bother to serve the Lord? There's no purpose to it. It's pointless. It doesn't bring any blessing. It doesn't bring prosperity. If you serve the Lord, you may be rich or you may be poor. It doesn't make any difference. Why bother? And yet, in those days still, there were people who feared the Lord. Even in the midst of all that darkness, there were children of God who loved the Lord, who worshipped the Lord, who strove to give to the Lord their best worship. And they sat in this darkness. And not only was there darkness all around them, but the people of God knew that the same darkness characterized them by nature. They weren't able to say, well, look at all the wickedness around us. Look at all the wickedness in the church today. But they had to stop and point their finger at themselves and say, but that darkness is here too. That darkness is in my own soul. It's in my own flesh. So the people of God sat in the darkness of a long, long night waiting for the rising of the sun of righteousness. They're like a man or a woman tossing and turning on their bed at night filled with anxieties and fears and worries of all kind. Do you experience that sometimes? As we sang earlier, anxious and fearful in the darkness of the night, we can't fall asleep. We're lying there on our bed. All kinds of fears and worries fill our minds. We toss and we turn and sometimes we cry out to the Lord, Lord, just bring the morning light. Just bring the morning light. Well, Malachi had a prophecy for the people of God. He said unto you that fear my name shall the sun of righteousness arise with healing in his wings. And you can see what a glorious prophecy that must have been for the children of God in those days. Those who feared the Lord, those who wanted the Messiah to come, he says, don't worry, people of God, don't be afraid. The sun will arise. Malachi spoke these words at the very end of the old dispensation. 
Many years before Malachi, the prophet Micah had already spoken that the time was soon coming when the sun would set on the prophets of the Lord. We read in Micah 3, verse 6, that in those days of Hezekiah, when the people of God often did not listen to the true prophets, and there were many false prophets, the Lord said, Night shall be unto you, that ye shall not have a vision, and it shall be dark unto you, and ye shall not divine, and the sun shall go down over the prophets, and the day shall be dark over them. And Malachi was the last. He was the last prophet before the sun set. And there would be 400 years of spiritual darkness when the people of God would hear no more revelation, would see no more vision, and hear no more prophecies. But at that moment, just before the sun set, Malachi had that word for the people of God. The sun will arise. Son of righteousness with healing in his wings. He was prophesying the rise of the Messiah. And the people of God knew that. They knew that he was referring to Christ, the rising of Christ the Lord, the Savior whom we have waited for for hundreds of years. He will arise with healing in his wings. He will arise like the sun which arises in the morning. And when the sun arises, it dispels the darkness of the night. It will arise like the sun that brightens the day and warms the air. And even as in the morning when the sun rises up in the east and those beautiful rays of sunshine come across the horizon and the beautiful, spectacular colors fill the eastern sky, it not only warms the air, But it warms our souls too. It casts out the gloominess of the night. It fills us with a a cheerfulness in the morning. Malachi says, And how much more when the Son of Righteousness arises with healing in His wings, because He will be the Son of Righteousness. And as the Son of Righteousness, He will dispel the darkness of your sin and guilt. And he will shine upon you the light of righteousness and life. What a glorious prophecy. And God fulfilled that prophecy when he sent his own son into the world. The son of righteousness arose. He arose with healing in his wings. When the Virgin Mary gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in the manger of Bethlehem. When she brought forth her little one, the child Jesus, the son of righteousness, arose into the darkness of this world and the morning of salvation dawned into the world. And when Mary and Joseph took up their little child and brought him up to Jerusalem into the temple, And old Simeon greeted them there in the temple. And he took the babe into his arms. Luke tells us that Simeon said, The day spring from on high hath visited us to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. Simeon said, This is the son of righteousness. This is the day spring from on high. He has visited us. He has come. He has shined upon us. He has brought the dawn of salvation. And that son of righteousness, the Lord Jesus Christ, stood up in that same temple later and preached to the Jews about himself. I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not sit in darkness, but shall have the light of life. He who follows me, he who comes to me and lays hold upon me by faith as his Lord and Savior will not walk in the darkness, will not sit in the darkness unto eternal death, but he will receive the light of life and salvation. 
So come to me, Jesus says. Believe in me, and you shall have light and salvation. But when that light shined in the darkness, Scripture says the darkness comprehended it not. The light came unto his own, but his own received him not. The light shined in Nazareth. The light shined in Judea. But the darkness preferred the darkness. Men loved darkness rather than light. They didn't want what Jesus had. They didn't want what he preached. They didn't want that kind of a Christ. They despised the Son of Righteousness. They rejected him. They crucified him. But it was precisely when the Son of Righteousness was nailed to the cross of Calvary that he arose like at no other time in history with healing in his wings. It was exactly when the darkness crucified the light that the light shined most brightly. It was exactly when men of darkness, which includes you and I by nature, when we nailed him to the cross, when we said, I don't want that son of righteousness, it was precisely then that the light was dawning, the light of salvation. Because the son of righteousness took upon himself our darkness. He took upon himself your darkness and my darkness, the darkness of our sins, our guilt, our depravity. And he gave himself over to the darkness to descend into it, into the depths of it, to be consumed by it, to be banished into the outer darkness of God's wrath, to suffer everlasting damnation. The damnation that we deserve. He descended into the depths of hell for you and for me in order to dispel the darkness of our sin and guilt. And he arose. The sun arose on the third day with healing in his wings. He arose from the dead. He arose with immortality and righteousness and life. He rose up higher and higher in his ascension. He ascended up on high in might and glory and sat at the right hand of God. And now the Son of Righteousness shines in all of his brilliance and all of his glory and salvation. And from there, at the right hand of God, the Son shines down upon us through the gospel and through his word and spirit. And he shines in our hearts to give the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. He shines in our hearts by his spirit and word so that we know him and we believe in him and we trust in him. And by faith, we are justified. By faith in the Son of Righteousness, we receive his righteousness. His righteousness is imputed to us. It is given to us as a free gift. So that every time we hear the gospel of our forgiveness and our justification, free, free and gracious gift of God through Jesus, it's as if the sun rises in our hearts. The darkness of all of our sin and guilt is dispelled. The cheerfulness and the joy of salvation becomes ours. And we delight in God our salvation. We find ourselves able to say, if God be for us, who can be against us? Let the devil come and condemn me. Let him point out all of my sins. Let him point out all of my iniquities and all of my guilt. I know that the Son of Righteousness has arisen. I put my trust in Him. And I take His righteousness for my own. What glorious comfort belongs to us in Christ. The Son of Righteousness shall arise with healing in His wings. The sun, you know, when it rises up in the sky on a bright, sunny day, 
has a mysterious healing power. I say mysterious because I don't really know how to explain it. I don't really know how that works. But I think we've all experienced that when we're sick, when we're experiencing mental or emotional or even physical infirmities of various kinds, and we go out into the bright sunshine, it cheers our hearts. And it may even play some role in the healing process. So the Son of Righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings. With healing in his wings. Malachi speaks as if the Son is this glorious flock of birds with wings. And just as the sun, when it rises up in the morning, it emits a marvelously large number of rays of light. So marvelous, I don't even know. I couldn't even tell you. Probably even the scientists can't tell you how many rays of sunlight are emitted from the sun every moment of every day. But those glorious rays of sun beam forth down to the earth like a a glorious flock of birds flying, hastening with their wings, racing down to the earth, but then gently alighting upon us, warming our skin, cheering our souls, brightening our day. God has put the sun in the sky, and God uses the sun sometimes to burn the earth, to scorch the ground, to burn up the crops, to burn up our skin, even to kill. But God, through that very same sun, gives life to the earth. He warms the ground. He sends light to the plant so that they can live. And through the light and the warmth of the sun, there's life on this earth. Without the sun, without the rays of the sun, there could be no life on this earth. But God has placed the sun there to shine upon the earth, constantly sending its light to the earth to give, preserve, and heal life on this earth. Malachi says that when the Son of Righteousness arises, He will arise with healing in His wings. Healing. Because that's what we need. When Adam and Eve plunged us into the long night of sin, it was also the long night of death. And death with all of its causes, including sickness and disease, and injury, and infirmities, and afflictions of all kinds, so that we live in a world of sickness, a world of suffering, a world of infirmities, of all kinds, the sicknesses of the body, the mind, the soul, and we all suffer from those sicknesses and those diseases whether it's the common flu and cold, whether it's COVID, whether it's fevers of various kinds, whether it's cancer, Alzheimer's, diabetes. There are different kinds of mental illnesses, schizophrenia, severe depression, bipolar disorder, and many, many other kinds. There are the sicknesses of the soul, The sicknesses of habitual sin. Not calling it a sickness in the sense that we're not responsible for those sins. We're responsible for them. But when we choose to walk in the paths of certain sins and they become ingrained habits, they are like dreadful diseases that are killing us and that are killing others around us. Sins like habitual drunkenness and habitual abuse and habitual fornication, and sexual immorality. And all these sicknesses and diseases and infirmities trouble us in this life. They make our lives miserable. These are the reasons we sometimes lay up at night tossing and turning on our beds. 
We feel the guilt and the shame of our sins and the destruction that our sins cause in our life and the lives of others. We lay there on our beds with sicknesses troubling our bodies, fears and anxieties of the mind. So the promise of the text is very delightful to us. Son of righteousness shall arise with healing. Healing in his wings. There's healing for us, beloved. Healing of the whole array of all of those sicknesses and diseases. Physical, emotional, spiritual, and any other disease you can imagine. And the Son of Righteousness, our Lord Jesus Christ, demonstrated that He came into this world to heal us of all our sicknesses and diseases. Because in all of His ministry, He healed the sick. He placed His hands upon them and healed them of their fevers and their leprosy and their blindness and their lameness and deafness and dumbness and all their other sicknesses. A woman with an issue of blood for 12 years who had gone to many doctors seeking healing for her infirmity was not able to find healing, was not able to find relief from anyone until she had spent all of her life savings looking for a remedy. Finally, Jesus walks through the town surrounded by a crowd of people and she pushes her way through the crowd just to get close enough to Jesus but she doesn't dare to approach him So she comes up behind. If only she can touch the hem of his garment. And she touches it. And immediately she's healed. And she pulls back into the crowd. Out of fear of being found out. But Jesus knew. Someone had touched him. And he turned around and said. Who touched me? Cautiously she came forward. And Jesus comforted her. Do not be afraid. He not only heals the body, but also the mind and the soul. Do not be afraid. And so by His healing ministry, our Lord Jesus Christ has revealed to us His purpose to heal all our sicknesses and all our diseases. Not necessarily to heal all of our physical diseases in this life but to heal all of them in the life to come and to begin the healing process already in this life. The Son of Righteousness has arisen up into glory with healing in His wings. He sits at the right hand of God. Do you believe that? He sits at the right hand of God, the Son, the Son of Righteousness. And He shines down upon us through His Word and Spirit. So that the Word and Spirit of Christ fly down upon us like a flock of gentle birds hastening with their wings down into our souls. When the Son of Righteousness first shined the healing rays of His light into your soul was the moment when you were regenerated. When you who were dead in trespasses and sins were quickened together with Christ so that you became spiritually alive, you who were dead. He administered that first powerful spiritual dose of medicine into your heart, into your deepest soul, and you became alive. And then he continued to shine just as the sun continues to shine its light to administer dose after dose of healing medicine to heal your spiritual sicknesses and diseases. And the medicine that He administers to us, the sunlight, comes in the form of His promises. When through the preaching of the gospel, He says to us, I love you, my dear little one. Don't be afraid. I will be with you. I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. I am your God. 
I am your Lord and Savior. I have died on the cross for you because I loved you so much. And I've risen from the dead to give you the hope of eternal life. No matter what you experience in your life, no matter what valleys you must pass through, no matter what darkness you must sit in, be assured of my love. Be assured of your forgiveness. It could be that we are suffering from the pain and brokenness of problems in our relationships or things that happened to us in our past, people who harmed us, that wounded us deeply in our hearts and souls, and we still struggle in our day-to-day life with that brokenness inside of us. And he says, but I have risen. I, the Son of Righteousness, have risen with healing in my wings for you, for you too. And I send it down to you like a flock of birds hastening on wings in the form of my promises and my gospel. When we're lying on our bed in the darkness of the night, tossing and turning, feeling extreme guilt over our sin, experiencing extreme shame over our past, the sins of youth, the sins of yesterday, the sins of today. And he comes to us in his gospel and he says, but your sins are forgiven. Your sins are all forgiven. Every last one of them. God does not see any iniquity in you. God has blotted out all of your transgressions because of my shed blood on the cross, because I am the son of your righteousness. I'm the son who has risen to impute my righteousness to you. You are righteous in the sight of God, now, yesterday, and forever. And he declares to us also the hope of sanctification. That not only has he justified us and forgiven us freely of his grace, but he will also sanctify us freely of his grace. He will continue to work in our lives to give us the healing power to overcome that sin. And every sin. To break free from the chains of sin. And to walk in godliness. Sometimes the Son of Righteousness has to arise and send forth His healing mercies in the form of surgery. Because sometimes the children of God develop malignant tumors. And perhaps for a while they're not even aware that that tumor is developing with inside their soul. But then perhaps they become aware of it, but they live in denial. They won't admit that it's there. They won't admit that they need to be healed. And so sometimes this glorious Son of Righteousness who loves us so much, He will not allow us to continue in stubborn, impenitent sin. Sometimes He comes down with extreme measures. Just as a surgeon takes the scalpel and cuts us open to remove that tumor to save our lives, sometimes the Son of Righteousness, He sends chastisements into our lives. Sometimes He even works through the elders to discipline us. So that through the remedies of chastenings and disciplines and trials, He humbles us. He softens us. He gives us to see, I'm a sinner, a sinner. I was wrong. I am wrong. The Lord Jesus loves us enough to break our hard and stubborn hearts and to remove those tumors so that we might live. What a Savior. The Son of Righteousness has arisen with healing in His wings. And then in regard to all of our physical infirmities, from the least to the worst, He promises to heal us. 
Sometimes he gives healing to us in this life. He gives us doctors and medicine and surgeries so that we're able to overcome heart disease. We're over, able to overcome all the ailments of our bodies. But then eventually we do get sick and die. But that's not the failure of Christ because he has turned sickness and death into the pathway into glory for us. Sickness and death cannot be against us. They cannot ultimately harm us. Whether we get sick very young, or whether we make it all the way to old age and finally get sick, whenever it is, whenever it happens, he promises us in that sickness, I will heal you. I will heal you. I will deliver you from all of this infirmity and sickness and suffering. First, I'll take you into glory in your soul and relieve you of all that pain and suffering. And finally, I will come. The Son of Righteousness will arise again on the last day. And He will raise our bodies from the grave. And he will make us like unto his glorious body. He will give us immortality and eternal life in body and soul to live in the new heavens and the new earth with him, never getting sick ever again. That's why Malachi says that when the Son of Righteousness arises with healing in his wings, Ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. We could translate the text this way. Ye shall go forth and paw at the ground as a young bull calf. Malachi wants us to imagine a young bull calf. Imagine a recently born calf. Still wobbly on its legs but full of excitement, full of joy, full of anticipation. There he is in the barn. There he is in his stall. And he wants the gate to be opened so that he can run out into the light of day, run around the field. Can you see him full of excitement, prancing through the grass, through the field, full of joy, full of happiness? Malachi says, you will be like that young bull calf when the Son of Righteousness arises with healing in his wings. And when Jesus was born, which we celebrated this past week, that's exactly what happened. When that little baby was born, wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid in a manger, and nobody in the world took any account of him, yet the angels of heaven were singing glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. A heavenly chorus saying, Alleluia. And the shepherds, filled with joy like young bull calves, ran in anticipation to Bethlehem to see this thing that the angels had said unto them. And when they saw the babe and Mary and Joseph, they went forth filled with joy. And they told everyone that they met of the things that they had seen and heard. Is that your experience? whenever you hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, when you come and gather together in this sanctuary on the Lord's Day, are you merely going through the motions of religion? Because then as Malachi warned the people of his day, beware, because the messenger of the covenant is coming, and who may abide the day of his coming? And who shall stand when he appears? If you are outside of Christ, if you are only going through the motions of religion, if you are offering to God the blind sheep and the lame sheep and the sick sheep, and not the best of who you are and what you have, then it's an abomination to him. But those who believe in Christ and who when they hear the gospel of the Son of Righteousness are filled with joy and excitement and anticipation, 
Come, Lord Jesus. Come, come, Lord Jesus. Rise, thou Son of righteousness, once more and shed thy healing mercies upon me and bring me into the eternal glories of heaven. Is that your response to the gospel? Do you dance in your heart like a young bull calf, racing around the barnyard of your soul? Then you offer unto God the offering of righteousness. Then you devote your life to Him. Then you delight to come into His courts to hear it again and to hear it again and to have that Son of Righteousness arise again. And He will arise one more time. Because He taught us in Matthew 13 in the parable of the wheat and the tares that in this present time of spiritual darkness, the wheat and the tares grow together in the same field. And the tares try to choke us wheat plants. But the Lord preserves us. And on the last day when He comes, He will send His angels into all the world to rip the tares out and to cast them into a burning oven. But He will gather up the wheat into His barn, into the heavenly kingdom. And Jesus says, There the righteous shall shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. There will be no more physical sun there. Because in Revelation we read that God Himself and the Lamb will be the light in the everlasting kingdom, shining upon us. And when God shines upon us there, in the fullness of health and immortality, we will shine too, like the sun. What a glorious hope we have. Amen. Our gracious God and Father, we give thanks to Thee for the hope of the gospel. We give thanks to Thee, Lord, for the Son of Righteousness, whom Thou hast raised up and whom Thou hast promised to raise up again. Father, we sometimes find ourselves failing with fear, with sickness, with anxiety. We pray for Thy healing mercies to fly down upon us, to rest in our souls, and to give us hope for that great day of complete and perfect healing in the kingdom that is to come. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.